Would you take your Bibles and turn with me to the Gospel of Matthew? And we're going to turn to chapter 1. I'm beginning a three-part series of messages around the promise. You may say, well, what is the promise? I'll tell you in just a few moments. The promise goes all the way back to the beginning of time. It goes all the way back to the Garden of Eden. There in the Garden of Eden was a perfect place. You cannot imagine how perfect it was. It would make Disney World look like a city dump. It was perfect environment. There was no sin. There were no suffering. There were no hatred. No bitterness. No killing. None of these things that we're accustomed to was there in that perfect environment. And God had told Adam and Eve, you can have anything in this garden that you so choose, with the exception of one thing, the tree of knowledge. And it was at the time that they thought that God wasn't looking. That snake in the grass, Satan himself, told them to go ahead and partake of that tree. And that God would not even notice. And when they did, all hell broke loose. When they did, we began to see the fall of man to take place, the disruption of a perfect marriage, a disruption of a perfect relationship between man and God, a perfect environment has now come to an end. What do you do now? And God, in Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, gave a promise. Listen to what he says. And I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your seed and her seed. And he shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. A perfect promise that God had given. And on his agenda, he made sure that from that point on, that there was going to come one to bring destruction against the one that created the fall, Satan himself. Now that's where Joseph and Mary... And Jesus comes in. Joseph and Mary and Jesus was a vital part of fulfilling the promise that God had created. 
and fulfilled. With your Bibles open, I invite you to stand with me. And we're going to begin reading in verse 18 of chapter 1. And read through the remainder of that chapter. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. As his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man, and not wanting to make her public example, was minded to put her away secretly. But while he thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take to you Mary, your wife. For that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. And she will bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. For he will save his people from their sins. So all this was done that it might be fulfilled. What being fulfilled? Genesis 3.15. Which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet saying, Behold the virgin shall be with child and bear a son. And they shall call his name Emmanuel which is translated God with us. Then Joseph, being aroused from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord commanded him and took to him his wife and did not know her till she had brought forth her firstborn son. And he called his name Jesus. Lord Jesus, how precious your name is. We've come to worship you and bow before your mighty presence. Thank you for coming into this sin-cursed world. Thank you for living and dying and taking the sting of death. And Father, thank you for sending your Son. I pray that you'll give us a whole new enlightenment of his coming. Here today. We pray that the filling of your Holy Spirit will be upon our lives. The anointing of God might be used in a way that would glorify the Father. Give us ears to hear, a mind to understand, and a heart to receive. Thank you, Father, for your precious love. And thank you for your promise. For we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. We're going to talk about today Jesus' earthly father, Joseph. Joseph was a quite an unusual man. You don't think a lot about Joseph when it comes to the Christmas story. Why, if you were picked to be a be Joseph in the Christmas story, you didn't have any words to uh, any lines. 
because he had no words in the scriptures. If you'll notice that there's not one, not one single word that is recorded that Joseph said anything. Of course, I know that he did. And it wasn't that his words weren't not important because they was much said about Joseph proving the fact that he was a very important part of bringing forth that miraculous child, the Lord Jesus Christ, into this world. Joseph, unlike Mary, unlike the angels, unlike even the shepherds, was sort of in the background of the story. And yet at the same time, he began to play such a tremendous role. God told Joseph he was going to be a part of seeing that this promise coming to fulfillment. We've got to put ourselves in Joseph's shoes just for a few moments. I don't know if you realize what a terrible, terrible position God put Joseph in when he told Joseph that I want you to be the husband of Mary. He was filled with all kinds of fears and all kinds of emotions as you can possibly imagine. I brought out three different emotions that I want us to look at that I think we probably can identify with Joseph in several aspects of these three different emotions. First of all, you go back in chapter 1, verse 18, that he was telling, God was telling Joseph to trust me with the, when you're in the middle of doubt. Can you imagine the doubt that was in the heart and the life of Joseph? The Bible reminds us that immediately Joseph's life was turned upside down. Immediately. He found himself in turmoil. You'll notice in verse 18 of this passage of Scripture that he was engaged to be married to Mary. Verse 19, he's thinking about a divorce. In verse 20, it talks about that he was, had taken her to be his wife. And so it's almost rather confusing when you begin to look at those passages of scriptures and we, we almost scratch our head thinking, what on earth is happening in the life of Joseph? Well, you've got to realize that if you'll go back and study the marriage of a Jewish couple, it was really in three stages. It was, not, it was not like what it is with us to here today. First of all, there's that engagement period. Back in those days, many of the people that were married, they were appointed by their parents to marry certain individuals. And, and, and they would almost sign a contract, signing like a contract. And the parents would choose these children to make. How would you like for your parents to choose your mate? Some of you would say, well, you probably did a better job than I did. No, I'm just picking. But, you know, it was, it was a stage of appointment. And then there was that betrayal stage. 
And that was a period of engagement for a period of approximately 12 months. And they were legally bound together. And the only way that they could ever get out of that was by divorce. And then, of course, there was that marriage. Bound together morally and legally. And even the marriage itself would take seven days before it was consummated. So you can, you can see how their customs was a lot different than ours today. But Joseph had a real problem. This one that had been appointed to him, she was a teenager and she was pregnant. Joseph's thinking to himself, I'm not the father. How embarrassing it is for me to be married to such a one as this. Can you imagine the embarrassment? Can you imagine the criticism? Can you imagine the sly remarks? There goes Joseph and that that woman. She's with child. She's pregnant. They're not even married. And Joseph here is full of doubt. Joseph had three choices, really. If you were in an engagement period and, and your, your wife-to-be comes up pregnant, you could do one of three things. Number one, you could stone her to death. Number two, you could make her a public specimen and make fun of her and disgrace her. Or three... You could divorce her. But here is Joseph. He loves his wife. He loves Mary. And yet he's been found that she is with child. What a disgrace. What an embarrassment. Joseph is full of doubt. Doubt of the character and the morals of Mary. His wife-to-be. And to say even further, she tells me that God is the Father. Let me ask you a question. What would you think? If you were placed in that type of setting, in that type of situation, your wife-to-be, she is with child, and you knew that it wasn't yours. And to top it all off, she tells you that God is the Father. Would you not be full of doubt? Would you not be scratching your head? Doubting her character, doubting her virginity, doubting her morals? I thought I knew this lady. But now look. Look at the shame that she is bringing on to our marriage. Look at the disgust. Well, thank the Lord he did something. He took his doubt to the Lord. Look what the Bible says in verse 20. In chapter 1. 
But while he thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take to you Mary, your wife. For that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. An angel came to him in a dream and said, Joseph, calm down. This woman is with a child. And this child was conceived in her by the Holy Spirit. And she will bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. My goodness. Look in verse 22. Why Why did all this happen? Why did all this come about? Well, there's a word in verse 22 that I want you to notice. So all this was done that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet. It was all in God's timing. It was all in God's plans. It was all in God's direction. Sometimes God turns our plans upside down, doesn't he? Sometimes we find ourselves seemingly in a mess. And we thought we were doing what God wants us to do. There was three theories I discovered about Mary's pregnancy. Number one, some thought that Joseph was the father. That he'd had sex with her outside of marriage. In other words, he was a fornicator. And you can imagine how Joseph must have felt. Hearing that theory that some must think that I'm the father. Why? Who else? Some thought that Mary had a secret lover. And her secret lover was the father. She had had an affair with a man that was of secrecy. There was even a theory that one of the Roman soldiers had raped her. All these theories and suspicions were roaming through the air. And Joseph was wrestling with this and thinking, how in this world can I marry such a woman? And yet God, in His perfect way, was lining Joseph up to be the husband of Mary and to be a part of the promise that He made thousands of years earlier. Dirty criticism. Joseph married Mary and he kept her pure until after Jesus was born. Why did he do that? Because he loved God and he loved Mary. And he was able to overcome all of his doubts by going to the Father. Now, we don't have dreams today. God doesn't necessarily speak to us through dreams because we have the Word of God. 
We have the Spirit of God. But sometimes God puts us in situations that we just don't seem to understand. My friend, I'm here to tell you, go to Him. Seek Him. Of course, His ways are not my ways, and my ways are not His ways. And the safest place you can be is in the center of God's will. Joseph's learning this. Trust God because of the promise in the middle of your doubts. But number two, look with me in chapter 2, verse 13 and following. Trust God's promise in the middle of danger. The baby has been born now. Mary and Joseph has been married. And you remember of how Herod wanted to kill Jesus, fearing that he would become the king over him. And the Bible says in verse 13, And now when they had departed, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph. This is the second time an angel came to Joseph in a dream. Appeared to Joseph in a dream saying, Arise, take the young child and his mother, flee to Egypt, and stay there until I bring you word. For Herod will seek the young child to destroy him. When he arose, he took the young child and his mother by night and departed for Egypt and was there until the death of Herod that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet saying, Out of Egypt I called my son. Does it not surprise you as you study the passage of Scripture that all this all-powerful God that we have Why in the world is he having to have Joseph to run and to flee? Isn't this powerful God that we serve, isn't he able to keep him and preserve him right where he's at? This powerful God that we have today, could he not take care of Herod and Herod's men, blind them from the fact of where Jesus was at? But the scripture says that he sends them away into Egypt. See that word flee? It's the word fugitive we we get from. We get the word fugitive from flee. To escape. They were escaping from the dangers of Herod. And he says, run and don't stop until you get to Egypt. 75 miles away. And then once you're in Egypt, go another 100 miles deep into Egypt and hide until I tell you to leave. Take that mother and baby. God could have protected that son, and yet God was protecting that son. Joseph even traveled by night, the Bible said. And as I said earlier, the safest place to be is in the center of God's will. Sometimes God's will is not always the easiest. But it's always the safest. 
My friend, the reason Joseph had to go to Egypt was to fulfill the prophecy. The Bible says in verse 15, out of Egypt I called my son. To fulfill that prophecy. God knew that to fulfill the promise that he had made and the prophecies of the prophets of old, that they had to go down into Egypt. So therefore, my friend, trust God's promises in the middle of your dangers. When you find yourself in the middle of danger, always turn to him and find that God is in the presence and he will always give you a way out of that danger. But thirdly, trust God's promises in the middle of difficulty. Look with me in Matthew chapter 2, verse 19 and following. As you study these passages of scriptures, you'll find that now it's time for Jesus to come out of Egypt. Herod is dead. Third time, a dream had come upon Joseph. And he tells Joseph to bring his child back home. Now, the two natural cities for Joseph to bring Joseph, I mean, for Joseph to bring that child back would have been Jerusalem or Bethlehem. Jerusalem, of course, the city of David, the largest city there in Israel, a city of royalty, a city that his descendants, as he was descended from the seed of David, or Bethlehem, but not Nazareth. Lord, how mercy. Can you imagine growing up in Nazareth? Nazareth would be what we would call the redneck city. It would be, in our terminology today, Podunk City. Our Possum Ridge City. It was, the word itself is even condescending. In fact, I'm reminded of Nathaniel saying to Phil, can any good thing come out of Nazareth? And yet the Bible tells us that God led Joseph to bring that child back out of Egypt and bring him into Nazareth. Small town on a hillside. Instead of Jesus being called Jesus of Jerusalem, or Jesus... Of Bethlehem. He's now going to be called Jesus of Nazareth. Have you ever found that God does things that you and I don't do sometimes? And God does things that we don't expect him to do. God wanted Joseph and Mary to be married. And to bring them together. To be that wonderful couple of bringing Jesus into this world. 
Not much said about Joseph in the Bible. But boy, I'm telling you what, Joseph played a vital role in the life of Jesus. Did you realize that the only man that has ever been said to that he is the dad of God's son? Earthly dad. What a remarkable remark to be called. Jesus could look at him and say, Dad, Joseph is a man to be admired. Joseph is a man to give allegiance to. Joseph is a man just like you and me. But he struggled with day-by-day situations just like you and me. And yet you can see how each and every time God had a purpose, God had a plan, and God fulfilled that plan and that purpose in his life. Do you know God has a plan for your life? And he has a purpose for your life. You may not understand everything that's going on right now. Young people, I want to just challenge you today. A lot of times we find ourselves arguing with our our parents, thinking that we know better than they do. But God placed those parents in our life to give us direction to give us guidance, to give us leadership. And what God is doing is fulfilling a plan and a purpose for your life. And the best thing you can do is just like Joseph, be obedient to the call of God upon your life. And with that obedience, you may find obstacles, but in the midst of those obstacles, you'll find blessings where God has fulfilled His perfect will for your life. The ultimate plan and purpose of God for our life today is that we know Him personally. That we have come to a point and place and that this one by the name of Jesus has fulfilled the promise that God gave there at the fall of man. And that through Him we can have life and have everlasting life. God's plan is for me to accept him. God's plan and purpose is for me to receive him. God's plan and purpose of me is to follow him. God's plan and purpose is for me to live for him. And I don't know of a better time during the Christmas season as it is right now that we can renew our relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. We can get so busy with the hustle and bustle of of going to and fro during this Christmas season and miss the mark and miss the meaning. I'm so grateful that Joseph took time to find out God's perfect will for his life every step of the direction of his way. Will you be willing to do that?
Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you so much. That Joseph was a man that was obedient to the call of God. and That he was willing to make sure that every step of the way was in accordance to God's holy word. Lord, today, as we gather around this altar today, our heart's desire is to seek you and to do your perfect will. I don't know of a better time than during the Christmas season to know God's perfect will for our life, starting into a new year, that we might fulfill that purpose in and through our life in every avenue. Lord, there's people here today that's never trusted you, never given their heart and their life to you. Today is the day of salvation. There's here people here today that need to be baptized in the likeness of the Lord Jesus Christ. They need to follow your plan for their life. There's some here that need to come and unite with this church. Lord, this is their plan. This is your plan for their life. Lord, in the midst of our doubts, in the midst of our difficulties, in the midst of our troubles, we can always find the promise of God. I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. In Jesus' name.